We live in an amazing time in history, don't we? You and I, almost everyone here in this room, uh, even the, the poorest of the poor in this country for the most part, we have access to luxuries and amenities and comforts that people in other times and in other places around the world, even today, have only dreamt of. We have luxuries available to us that are truly fit for kings and queens, don't we? I mean, think about it. There are beds out there, beds, maybe some of you have them, uh, that adjust their firmness to your own personal whims with just the click of a button. Pretty amazing. Uh, At this moment, I could pull out my phone. With a few taps, I could have my own personal chauffeur show up at the doors to this church named Uber, who would drive me and take me to wherever I wanted to go. Our, Our cars themselves are luxurious. We have heated seats. Our cars can tell us where to go, how to turn, Uh, how to get to where we're going, and in just a few years, those same cars, and I can't wait for this, they're going to drive us, and we will sit back, and the car will take the wheel, and they will drive themselves to wherever we need to go, and and I can't wait. Um, But some of us, we have big screen TVs in our house, and not just one, but maybe one for, for every room. Others of us have been to exotic, exciting places on vacation or sat back at all inclusive resorts. Even our kitchens are places of luxury. The coffee can make itself in the morning and we can be awakened to its sweet-smelling aromas. In the middle of winter, in Arlington Heights, Illinois, with snow and frost covering the ground, I can eat a banana that was grown halfway around the world and not even think twice about it. It's just normal. You and I are truly living the good life, aren't we? We have uh, reached the pinnacle. We are reaping the benefits of a society that values luxury and comfort and contentment and endless entertainment at our fingertips. And you and I right now, in the time that we are living in, are truly living the good life. Or are we? I suppose uh, suppose it depends on on how you define the good life, right? And and what you think the good life looks like. Uh, Now, you and I, we are constantly, from the society and the culture around us, we are being sold to. Our our culture is trying to get us quite literally to buy into its vision of the good life. For example, if we were to walk into any mall today, if we were to take a field trip over to Woodfield, uh, we would walk in the doors and see some giant life-size poster of some beautiful person wearing beautiful clothes who is popular and happy, a smile on their face, right? And in that poster would be calling out to us, telling us that if we just dressed like this person and shopped where they shopped, that we could have the good life too that we could have a life of happiness and contentment and, and for just a few hundred dollars, we could be living the good life. Or if you just talk on this phone or carry around this purse, you could have the good life. Or if, if you just eat at this restaurant with this advertisement, with this smiling family for a few hours at least, you could be living the good life. Our society values contentment, comfort, luxury, status above all else. And if you can just reach this, then you can live the good life too. These are just some of the symbols that our society puts before us as symbols of the good life. And if you can find some of these and plenty of others too, you can be living the good life. And and the truth is, for many of us in this room today, we are living the good life, or at least we're close. And, And those of us that aren't even close, we're trying awfully hard to get there. But I would like to talk today not so much about this in our society's vision of the good life and what that looks like, but I'd like to talk a lot more about what God's vision of the good life looks like and what he has to say about how we get that good life. As you might be expecting, God's vision of a good life looks very different than this. Um, in fact, God, God's vision of a good life looks like this. 
looks like a cross, a, a place of pain and immeasurable suffering where the God of the universe laid down his life for you. You see, it's, it's from the cross that you and I receive freely, at no cost to ourselves, the good life. It's, it's a new, a better, and eternal life that you don't have to work for or strive for or go out looking for. It's there. The good life for you, dear brothers and sisters, comes from the cross, from what Jesus did for you. And it's from the cross that you, today, by faith, as you trust in what God has already done, you have the good life. It's a life of peace, a life of strength, a life of joy in the midst of, of suffering. By faith and faith alone, you, as God's children, are living the good life. That's what God's word tells us. That's the, that's the picture he paints for us. I don't know about you, but this sounds awfully good to me, doesn't it? That, that we can receive this, this good life, a life of contentment and comfort and, and love and peace and joy at no cost to ourselves. I say, sign me up for this. And yet today, we need to be honest about something, about what else God says this good life looks for us, looks like for us. You see, in our second reading for today, as the Apostle Paul writes to his disciple, the young Timothy, he reminds Timothy that the good life, a life of faith in the cross of Jesus, it's also a life of suffering. Paul writes it pretty bluntly, pretty clearly. He says, join me in my suffering. In fact, suffering is kind of an unavoidable part of the Christian life, of living the good life. And, and that part of the good life is, is much harder for me to wrap my mind around because, quite simply, our, our culture does not value suffering. It tells us to run away from it. I don't like to suffer personally, and so to think that uh, the good life involves suffering is kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around. And secondly, quite simply, I have not experienced too much suffering, at least not in the way that Paul is talking about. And, and honestly, I don't think many of us have. Now, we all have suffered. We've lost loved ones and jobs and uh, suffered in many ways. But the kind of suffering that Paul is talking about today is a very specific kind of suffering. It's a suffering that comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we could also call it persecution. And living in the free country that we do, not many of us have faced that kind of suffering. So for many of us, it's hard to wrap our minds around that idea of, of suffering for our faith on behalf of, of Jesus. It's just not too real for us, but, but it is very real for thousands of people, thousands of your brothers and sisters around the world right now. Right now, there are thousands of your brothers and sisters in the faith who are facing persecution and suffering simply for believing in Jesus. In fact, I was reading this week uh, on CNN, you know CNN, right? Uh, a secular news group, not a Christian news group. Uh, but CNN called last year, 2015, the Year of Christian Persecution. That was their title for last year, the Year of Christian Persecution. Because as CNN looked at the world, they realized the Christians were being persecuted at an all-time high rate. For the, for the first time in history, there were more Christians being killed than ever before. It's easy for us to not even know that or, or to think about it as we live in the place that we do. But last year, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians who were killed simply for believing in Jesus. There are Christians today who are suffering for the faith that they have. You know, I think the last thing on their minds is probably whether their next car is going to have heated seats or how big their 401k is or how many big screen TVs they, they want. 
Now I say all that, and hear me out for a second, not to lay a guilt trip on any of us, right? And I honestly don't expect any of us to go home, uh, move out of our homes, live in a box, and uh, get rid of our big screen TVs. And I don't think that's what the passage is, is telling us regardless. But I, what I think God's Word is telling us today is reminding us that, that in our endless, fruitless pursuit of more and more and more, of more comfort and luxury and contentment and happiness, we are going to come up empty every time. We're reminded today that the good life is not found in the material things of this world, in the pursuit of a higher status in society, but instead the good life is only found from the cross. And if we look anywhere else to find the good life that God has planned for us, we're, we're never going to find it. The good life is found in Jesus. And faith in what he's done for us, as we trust in the cross, that the cross is enough, but also the reality that as we try to live obediently to Christ's call, as we try to reflect that cross-shaped love, you and I will suffer along the way. It's just part of the Christian life. I want to share just one example of that with you. Um, it's a very small example. I'm admitting this right away. Extremely small example of Christian suffering. Uh, but it comes from my time working at a coffee shop. I think I've shared this before. Uh, but throughout college and summer grad school, I worked at a coffee shop not too far from here. And there was this one customer who came in quite often, and I was thinking, trying to think of a nice way to put this, but I suppose he was just angry and ornery, to say the least. Uh, didn't really ever have anything nice to say, was constantly complaining about something, little comments here and there, little digs. And it only got worse once he found out that myself and one of my coworkers, a friend of mine, were both Christians studying to work in the church in some way. Now he never came across the counter. My physical safety was never in questions. It was just little comments here and there kind of mocking the church and Christians. Very small example of suffering. But one day he came in and he said his piece uh, and then he left. And I remember turning to my coworker and saying something like, I wish that guy would never come back. <laughs> I was just fed up with it. I, I said, you know, he is my least favorite customer to deal with. Uh, why can't he go find some other coffee shop uh, to buy his coffee at? Why can't he go to Starbucks down the street? And, and my coworker uh, named Dan, I remember he looked at me with a smile on his face and he said, you know, that's my favorite customer. <laughs> he says, I can't wait for him to come in. I look forward to talking to him every single time because every time he comes in, it's just another opportunity to share the love of Jesus with him. You see, my friend, my coworker Dan, he was living the good life. He lived a life of faith, trusting in the cross of Jesus that the cross was enough. And as he trusted in the cross for everything he had, he was strengthened in the midst of his suffering, no matter how small that suffering might have been in the moment. And the truth is that when you're in the suffering, it never seems small in the moment, does it? And it would have been very easy for my co-worker to, to simply buy into the world's vision of the good life, a life of comfort and leisure, and he could have kept his mouth shut, never brought anything up, and just gone about his day, and life would have been much easier for him. But, but praise be to God that he didn't do that, that for his sake and for that angry man's sake, that he continued to live the good life, a life of faith, trusting in Jesus, a life of obedience to Christ's call, to share that cross-shaped love with those around us. Like I said, when you're in the midst of suffering, or maybe as we're sitting here today thinking about potential suffering and thinking about which situations we want to put ourselves into and, and the suffering that might come from that, uh, it never seems easy, it never seems small in the moment. And that's why we need to remember, as we talked about in the children's message, 
The simple words of Paul to Timothy in verse 8 for today. After Paul has told Timothy, warned him about the suffering that's going to take place, he just states that matter-of-factly, this is part of the Christian life, this is part of living the good life, you're going to suffer. In verse 8, he says it very simply, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. So brothers and sisters, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember that it is in him that you have today the good life, a life of peace and hope and contentment, a new, a much better and eternal life in the presence of your Savior. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. As you, as you follow his example, as you are obedient to his call, as you suffer in big or, or little ways, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Remember that it is in him and from the cross that you have everything you need. In Jesus' name.